This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And amen. Last week, we kicked off a series called Outlandish, and we talked about what it means to be outlandish in your faith and the idea that God has made us for more. He's made us for more than just the ordinary. He's made us for the extraordinary. He's made us for more than just the natural. He's made us for the supernatural. And we looked at this this definition that Merriam-Webster's dictionary has of the word outlandish. It says this, strikingly out of the ordinary, exceeding proper or reasonable limits or standards. And we talked about how God wants to give us a faith that is out of the ordinary, that exceeds what is considered proper. I don't know about you guys, but I'm done with proper. I'm done with worrying about what people think about me. I'm done with worrying about whether or not people like me. And that was hard to say about 10 years ago because I was a people pleaser. I wanted to get everything right. I wanted everybody to like me. And God just liberated me from that junk. And sometimes it takes a year like we had last year just to reset what is important and what should be priorities in our lives. And God began to to speak to me about this series that he wanted me to, to, to take us into. And I made this remark that I want this to be more than just a series. I want this to be a way of life for us as a church, as disciples of Jesus, as people called by his name who have been given his name and his authority to do this stuff. This should be normal. The normal Christian life is a life that is out of the ordinary, that is beyond reasonable limits or standards. The world may tell us, you know what, guys, like that's unreasonable. And God invites us into what is unreasonable. He invites us to get uncomfortable and to get outside of what we think is our limitations. I'm talking about having an outlandish faith and about being outlandish in your thinking and you're believing, and you're praying, and you're hoping. Come on, even in your dreaming. Some of you guys, God wants to give you permission to have outlandish dreams, to be audacious with your prayer life, to stop putting God in a box of what he can and can't do. Jesus never built a theology around what God didn't do. Jesus revealed who God was by what God was willing to do. Amen? And we see this exemplified mostly within the book of Matthew and chapter 10 specifically. And this is kind of our passage, this is kind of our key text that we've been leaning into and that we're going to continue to come back to over the next five to six, seven weeks. Beginning in Matthew chapter 10, verse seven through eight, it says this, and proclaim as you go, this is Jesus speaking to his followers, and proclaim as you go, not if you go, but as you go, saying, using words, sharing your speech that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that the kingdom of God has come near, that it's available, that it's broken into the present time, that it's here and now, not just then and yet. So here's what I want you to do, church. Here's what I want you to do, courageous disciples of Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cleanse lepers. I want you to cast out demons because freely you've received, therefore freely you should give. So today I want to talk to you specifically about faith that heals the sick. And the title of my message for those of you taking notes is only fools rush in. (laughs) Only fools rush 
in. Years ago, when I first got saved, I, I witnessed God do many miracles in my own life. I've seen God heal people. For over 30 years, I've seen God do this within my own life and in the life of people that I went to church with, in the lives of people that I encountered along the way. As a, as a young person, I moved around a lot because my dad was a general contractor, so we just kind of went where the work was. And so we bounced around. I don't think I lived in a home more than two years up until high school. And we just moved around a lot. So I got to experience a lot of different churches, a lot of different expressions, come on, a lot of different what we call streams. And what I experienced in those settings was amazing. I saw people uh, get healed of cancer. I saw people get healed of asthma. We prayed for a young boy and God healed him from asthma. Yesterday after Chrissy uh, and, and I prayed with that, uh, that couple that we were talking about, I went inside and I, I saw this young man sitting there and he was playing his video games, you know, just uh, uh, totally using the free Wi-Fi. And I said, oh man, what, what game are you playing? And he's like, oh, Tekken 7, that's, this is cool. I said, oh, that's rad. I used to play that back in high school. And so I looked for kind of an in. And then once I had one, I said, dude, show me this. And I sat down with him. And then we, I struck up a conversation. And I saw that his chest started to beat heavier and heavier. And he was, and I said, bro, what's going on with your breathing? And he goes, man, I got asthma. I said, well, we're going to pray right now that Jesus is going to heal that. And I, and I said, are you okay with that? And he's like, okay. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I just laid hands on him, began to pray. And then just unbeknownst to me, it just all of a sudden stopped. And I was like, bro, do you see what's going on right now? And he's like, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) But guys, I've seen God do this. I've seen him clear out tumors. I've seen people go into the doctor and be given a report about tumors in their body and then come back and we pray for them and then go back and the scan's clean. Anybody else experienced that? Am I talking to anybody that's seen the power of God move and work and operate? So I'm not the only one. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. I've seen bone spurs healed. Uh, Years ago when my wife first gave birth, actually not first gave birth, after our third child, she had developed some bone spurs in her wrists. And we began to pray over it. And every night we just lay hands on it and we just pray. And uh, we we did that for how long, Candice? Like a few months? A couple years? (laughs) Did you catch that? We did that for a couple years. And then one day, we just forgot about it. And we looked down, and, one, and I was, I forget, we were on a date, and I grabbed her hand, as I often try to do. And, <laughs> and I, I grabbed it in such a way that I felt her wrist, and all the bone spurs were gone. And I said, babe, the bone spurs, where'd they go? And she goes, oh my God, they're gone. <laughs> For years. She had Hulk hands for years. Aww. (laughs) She had God heal her. (laughs) Sometimes you try with a joke and it doesn't work, but then you wait. And the delayed laughter comes. I love that. But we saw, we saw God do amazing things. For years, I used to struggle with ear infections. I grew up in San Diego, California, and I swam a lot. And I was at the beach a lot, and I surfed, and I, I used to get what they called swimmer's ear, which was uh, you know, common when you had water in your ear, it can lead to infections. And I, ha- I had them every year of my life growing up. 
And uh, my parents would, you know, they would tell me to pray for stuff. And, uh, but unfortunately, I just struggled with this, you know, this ear infection thing for so long. And it got to the point where I would get in an airplane and you know how when you get up to that elevation, your ears pop? Mine didn't. And so it would just be excruciating pain. It felt like people were shoving knives into my ears. And I remember being 18 years old and traveling all over the world. I, I left after high school. I went all over the world traveling with, uh, with another ministry. And um, I would just sit there and cry because the pain was so bad. And people would be like, are you okay? And I'm like, my ears won't, won't pop. They won't, uh, what's the word, regulate. Yeah. And for years, I would get anxiety every time I'd fly because I'm like, is today going to be the day where my ears don't adjust? One time I, I actually, uh, I went up and for the whole length of the flight, my ears never adjusted. And then I came down and I couldn't hear for an entire week. So it was really bad. It was like a really excruciating, painful thing. And I would pray and sometimes nothing would happen. But I'll never forget this one time Candace and I took this trip. I don't remember where we went. Do you remember where we were going? She's just nodding her head. <laughs> and I, I was starting, it was starting to happen. And I was like, ah, she could tell I was in pain. And so she stuck her finger in my ear and she began to pray. And all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden I heard five pops. Pop, 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 pop. And I've never had that problem ever since. Never had it. It was like, it's like, oh, immediate relief. It was incredible. And that, that's just my story, guys. But I can tell you the countless stories of, of thousands of people that I've encountered and, and run into who've seen God heal. And so the first point I want to make today, number one, is does God still heal today? You better believe he does. You better believe it. Liam, next slide. Does God still heal today? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. We serve a God who still heals today. Some of you might have grown up in a tradition that said, well, that was for that period of time. God doesn't do it anymore. Then how do you explain what I've seen? How do you explain what I've experienced? I mean, how do you explain that? You can't. One of my favorite stories was a Bible teacher who grew up in a, in a, in a particular movement that said that all of the gifts and the healings had ceased. And then they started to happen in his life. And so he runs to his professor and the, the elder in the church. He goes, what do I do with this? And the guy goes, I don't know. It's not supposed to happen. <laughs> God instantly changed his theology on the spot. And now he's prayed for thousands of people and seen miracle after miracle after miracle. So not only does Jesus command his followers to do this, he's given them the power, according to Matthew 10, and the authority to heal every disease and every affliction, which means that there's nothing that's off limits to pray for, guys. There's nothing that should be off limits for us to pray for. Listen to what Matthew 10, verse 1, just a couple verses before says. And Jesus called to him his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. He gave them authority to cast them out and to heal some disease. Every disease and some affliction. No, every affliction. Just making sure everyone's paying attention tonight. He gave them authority to heal every disease and every affliction. And because the Bible is not just a story about them, but it's ultimately a story about us, I believe that Jesus calls each and every one of his followers to walk in this same authority. And as a result, we need to start reading Jesus's words as not just uh, a story about them, but as a personal invitation to us. 
God wants us to experience this too, guys. I believe this with all my heart, that God wants you to experience this reality in your life if you haven't yet. And for some of you, you have, and we praise God for that. But maybe there's some people here tonight that haven't experienced this. And I believe that tonight, Jesus is calling you out upon the waters where your trust is without borders to get a little outlandish with your faith. Why? Because he's given us the authority. He's given us his name. Remember what Matthew 10, verse seven and eight said, and proclaim as you go, saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. He gives them a directive. He gives them a command. Go and do it. He said, as you go. Notice it doesn't say as I go. Jesus wasn't gonna be the only one doing this stuff, guys. And he still doesn't wanna be the only one. That's why he sends us. That's why we're out there sharing our faith and praying with people because he said, as you go, meaning that he expects us to go. He expects us to go. And we see this later in Matthew 28 where he says, go, go forth, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, immerse them in the full Trinitarian universe in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded to you and remember that I'll be with you till the very end of the age. He tells us to go and he gives us his name and his authority to go with the assurance that he's going with us, that we get to go with the presence of God. We talked about this last week where in Exodus chapter four, verse 12, God tells Moses to go. And as you go, I will instruct you in what to say and I will tell you what to, how to speak. He gives us the authority to do it, guys, but then he goes with us and he actually helps us. God never gives you a command without giving you the power to do it. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, I gotta go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. And he knew that in order for us to go and to do this stuff, that we'd need the Holy Spirit. We'd need the helper. So he says, you go and you heal the sick. This is what Jesus expects us to do. Because number two, Jesus wants people to be healed. He wants people to experience the kingdom of the heavens here on earth. This is why we believe in praying for people. Because we believe that healing is just one way that God demonstrates his kingdom here on earth. The kingdom of the heavens or the kingdom of God, those are the same term. You can use them, you can interchange them. But the kingdom of the heavens here on earth is his life, is his authority, is his power, is his freedom, is his hope, is his restoration, is his work from heaven here on earth. And how does he do it? He wants to do it through us. That's why he said, you need to go and do it. When we pray for people, we already know that God loves them. That's already been settled. We already know that God loves them. And so our desire is to see their eyes open to the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. We want to see them experience that personally in their body. We want to see their eyes open to this reality. And, and we know that healing is not the only way, guys. It's not. It's not the only way. It's not the only sign, but it is an important way. And it is an important sign in a way that God does this. We see this abundantly evident in the life and ministry of Jesus, who we are called to apprentice and be like. It's interesting to me that our calling is Christ-likeness, but then when it comes to this stuff, we, we shrink back because we're afraid. And we think, well, somebody else will do that. That's the job of the evangelist. That's the job of the pastor. Can I tell you what? That's all of our jobs. My job is actually to equip you, is to help you do the work of the ministry. Now, does this mean that every time we lay hands on people that they're gonna get healed? Unfortunately, no. Uh, not everyone does get healed. And there are many reasons why, including some that will never fully comprehend this side of eternity. Sometimes people believe for things and they don't see them come to pass here on earth. Sometimes people get stuck in unbelief. 
uh, where they refuse to believe God for miracles. Sometimes unforgiveness and bitterness chokes out their ability to believe and to trust God. And, and sometimes people just give up too soon. However, and this is a big however, what we don't ever want to do is shame people for not having enough faith. Can I say that again? What we don't ever want to do is shame people for not having faith. We are not Jesus. It's not up to us to measure, as if we could, people's belief or lack thereof. That's God's business, amen? Jesus knows. He can, he can measure belief. We, we can't. But what we still want to do is we want to call people to believe. We want to call people to walk into faith, which is why praying for healing and for miracles is risky. It's why it's foolish. Because someone might get offended. Because someone might misunderstand you. Because someone might even misjudge your motives and your passion and desire to see people get healed as being overzealous. Listen to this. John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed people. One man was there who had been invalid for 38 years, guys. For 38 years, he couldn't walk. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a really long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? You see, Jesus asked him a question. He doesn't assume that they always want to be healed. He doesn't just assume that people want to believe for this stuff. And so when we go out to do this, we don't always start with that assumption that people always want to be healed or set free. Sometimes, like you heard from our friends tonight, sometimes the answer is no. No, I don't really want you to pray for me. No, I don't want you to, to share your story with me. And that's okay. We trust God with his redeeming work in people's lives. We sow the seed. We do that anyways. But sometimes people are going to misunderstand you when you do it, when you ask, when you, when you call them into this reality. But can I let you in on a little secret here? Jesus was accused of all the same things. He was accused of healing this man who was lame from birth and accused of doing it for all the wrong reasons. Listen to what it goes on to say. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. And everybody says, Amen, and we throw a big party. But now that day happened to be the Sabbath day. Uh-oh. So the Jews, the rulers of that time, said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. They missed the forest for the trees. A man just got healed and they were focused on all the wrong things. A major miracle was just performed and they were offended. Some people are going to be offended by your faith. Some people are going to be offended by your desire to pray for them. Which is why, number three, only fools rush in. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that your faith might appear foolish to other people. It may be foolish for you to believe God for a miracle. It may be foolish for you to go and to pray for someone who has cancer. It may be foolish for you to even get their hopes up. But do it anyways. But do it anyways. Don't let what other people think about you hold you back from praying and believing God. Because the truth is this, everyone is somebody's fool. The question is, whose fool are you? 
Everyone is someone's fool. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a fool for Christ. I want to be, be, be called a fool for Christ. I want to waste my life on Jesus, believing him for big things, for impossible things, for audacious things. I'm believing that God's going to do an amazing work in this city. Some people say, Jason, you're a fool. Some people told me I was a fool to come to Utah. They looked me right in the straight in the eyes and said, you're starting a church in Utah? What are you, stupid? You guys laugh, but that's actually what someone told me. Another believer who was all sophisticated and had all the answers, apparently. What are you, stupid? I'm not stupid, but I might be foolish because only fools rush in. Steve Jobs once said, the ones crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones that do. Praying for God to heal someone may seem crazy or outlandish to you, but do it anyways. And don't worry about what other people think. Years ago, when Oral Roberts was asked about laying hands on over a million people, he remarked there were many people who were not healed. Probably more people that were not healed than healed, but that's God's business. He asked me to pray and to believe, and that's what I did. Can I tell you something? Jesus asks us to pray and believe, and that's it. He doesn't ask you to worry about the outcome. It's not your outcome to worry about. That's his business because he is the healer. It's not us. He's the one. You and I are, are just conduits. We're just the pipeline through which God's power gets to flow. But we are called to be obedient. And we are called to be faithful in what he's asked us to do, which means that we shouldn't worry about our reputation so much. We shouldn't worry about appearing foolish. For some of you, that's hard because you want people to think well of you. I know, I've been there. You want people to not think you're crazy. That's all right. But we gotta get over this kind of thinking. As the church in America, we gotta get over this kind of thinking because people are gonna call us bigots and haters and whatever anyways. So why not just embrace the crazy and go, you know what, I'm going all in for Jesus and I don't care what you think about me. John Wimber, founder of the Vineyard Movement at churches once remarked before when we didn't pray for healing, nobody was healed. But then we started to pray for healing and some people got healed. Michael Jordan says, you miss every one of the shots that you never take. Are we going to be a people that, come on, believe God for this and that, that step out in faith and appear foolish and take shots or are we going to step back in fear and go, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want anybody to be offended. I don't want anybody to think that I'm weird. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says as I get ready to close. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. You see, his kingdom is upside down. The things that we think God cares about, he doesn't. The stuff that we don't care enough about, he does. And when we step into this reality where we're willing to just get a little foolish and a little outlandish and a little crazy, it's amazing what will happen. It's amazing now. For some of you, you'll walk into a coffee shop and you'll look around the room for someone to pray for. You'll live with the sensitivity and awareness that, you know what, there's people all around us that need Jesus. It's time to get a little foolish, church. It's time to get outlandish in our faith. It's time to see people get healed and to be set free. And if that's your heart tonight, I want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you that you have called this church to be an outlandish church. 
to move beyond what is ordinary, what is common, what is proper. And God, we thank you for your healing work. We thank you, Lord, for the the power to heal sickness and disease. Lord, we know that it flows from you because you're the healer. And Lord, right now there are people that have been listening to this message who still aren't convinced because deep down they're still afraid. They're afraid to get their hopes up. They're afraid, Lord God, to believe for more. And God, right now, just through the power of your spirit, I just pray, and as Jen would come and play, I just pray, God, that you would do a mighty work in their heart. Lord, that you would awaken faith on the inside of us, that you'd help us, Lord, to believe. Just as Peter said, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. (laughs) Oh God, sometimes we just need help in the areas where we still hold on to unbelief. Lord, would you set us free from that? Would you set us free from worrying about what people think? Would you set us free from worrying about the way that we appear? Lord, deep down, we want to be liked and we want to be loved and we want to be accepted because we fear rejection more than anything else in this world. But Lord, set us free from the fear of rejection. Set us free from the fear of man. Set us free from the fear of of appearing foolish. Set us free, Lord God, from not believing where you've called us to believe. Set us free from worrying about outcomes, but learning how to trust the almighty God. And God, we do. We trust you tonight. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, for your desire to see people healed. And Lord, we know that not every time people get healed. We, we know that doesn't happen all the time, Lord. I've, I've prayed for people with cancer who've gone on to die. But Lord, heaven is not a constellation prize. Just as the Apostle Paul prayed, oh, I long for and pray for the redemption of our bodies, Lord. We know that eternity is not a constellation prize, Lord. Eternity is what we were made for. So Lord, whether this side or next, God, I thank you that you are the healer, that you bring us into healing, Father, because you love us, because you love us. You want us to experience your coming kingdom even here and now. So Lord, I pray that you'd give us a a foretaste of that tonight. For anybody in this place that needs healing, I wanna pray for you right now. And you don't have to step out of your seat. I'm gonna pray that God will just heal you right where you're at. But Father, I wanna pray a work of healing over their life right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you're the healer. It's your name. That's who you are. So right now, Holy Spirit, we say come and heal. Come and move among us. Come and work. Come and do what only you can do. Awaken hearts, Lord, to faith. Awaken hearts to what is, what is possible. Jesus, you said, for those that believe, nothing is impossible. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.